0: Hey, we're live. And would you believe it? Oh, hang on. And would you believe it? Uh, the microphone works right from the start. Huh. Who would have ever guessed? Let me put this up actually just for a second. There we are. All right. Now we can do a little bit of sitting back. Here we are, folks. Should have done this ahead of time, but I didn't. So there you go. Welcome to the Promotional Practice live chat. Today is Wednesday the 20th of 2016. thank you so much for joining me i'm your host luke thomas there we go uh we'll do this about 90 minutes taking your questions and comments on mma fighting where this post is embedded and uh and a whole lot more we'll talk about you know what's going on in the sport let's see oh i don't know major stars are having potential violations from usada and um there's a fox card this weekend that has positively zero buzz (laughs) um yeah and there's Bellator, and there's Bellator on Friday as well. So there's actually a fair bit going on. We'll get to all of that and more. Um, you can get at me on Twitter at SBNLukeThomas. Luke Thomas. I'm on Snapchat the Luke Thomas seventy um, nine. There you go. I'm not sure what else to say. Oh, I have. Oh, here we go. i want to tell you guys i fell off the wagon in las vegas that's why i hate las vegas because it's never good for my routine it's never good for my health choices didn't lift once the entire time i was there so i fell off the wagon i had so many people come out to me being like how's the diet soda thing going and i'm like well it was going just fine now it goes poorly by the way though uh despite the fact that i like to stay stemmed out at all times um i was on twitter the other day and i was asking people for recommendations for a pre-workout, if you guys are into this kind of thing, I'm not doing this for sales. I don't get a penny of this, nothing. I know this is no plug. This is nothing. Uh, I'm just telling you personally. Uh, I used Lane Norton's Carbon Prep. Now it's very expensive. It's like it's like forty bucks for twenty servings, so it's not cheap. Um, but it's a non-stim pre-workout. If you guys are into that, because sometimes I have to get a workout late at night, and I don't want to take a lot of caffeine. Um I have argued on this live chat the best pre-workout is a cup of coffee which I think is true but I can't have a cup of coffee at, you know, 8 or 9 at night. And I, I don't really like working out that late anyway, but sometimes I get forced to do it. Um so if you're into that kind of thing, Lane Norton Carbon Prep is uh is what you need. So there you go. Also, if you're going to deadlift at the gym and take up a rack, I saw this uh yesterday evening um get a dead wedge i see so many people who have no idea how to load a deadlift bar there's if you don't have the mechanism that you can put under the bar and then you can raise it up get a dead wedge it's like a little wedge you can buy for like 10 bucks and you stick it under your weight it rolls over onto it and then you put extra weight anyway neither here nor there all right let's get this going shall we first question here. Oh wait, is there breaking Chad Mendez news? Hold on before I get to that. Let's get to the breaking Chad Mendez news. Hold on, let's see.com slash news. No, I don't see one on him. See, maybe it's on his Instagram or Twitter. Oh, more time. Hang on, folks. I know this is terribly boring. No, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'll wait. Um, if you've got the Chad Mendez news, just send it to me. Oh, here it is. Got it. Chad Mendez received sanction for anti-doping violation. Here we go. Let's see what he popped for. Uh, okay. Tata announced today that UFC athlete Chad Mendez of Sacramento, California has received a two-year sanction ooh, for anti-doping policy violation after testing positive for prohibited substance. Uh Mendez 31 tested positive for GHRP6 growth hormone releasing hexapeptide following an out of competition urine test conducted on May 17, 2016. GHRP6 is a prohibited substance in the class of peptide hormones, growth factors related substances and mimetics under the UFC anti-doping policy which has adopted the WADA prohibited list which is a flawed list, but it is what it is. Growth hormone-releasing peptides are listed as non-specified substances on the water-prohibited list under the UFC anti-doping policy. The standard sanction for anti-doping violation involving a non-specified substance is a two-year period of ineligibility. Mendez's two-year period of ineligibility began on June 10th, so he's about a month into it, the date on which he received a provisional suspension. In addition, Mendez has been disqualified from all competitive results obtained on and subsequent to May 17th. The date of the sample collection, including forfeiture of any title, ranking, purse, or other compensation. Even his Reebok money. USADA conducts the year round independent anti doping programs for all UFC athletes. USADA is an independent nonprofit. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So there you go. And his last fight was it the Edgar fight, so this wouldn't matter. Let me see. Mendez, gone from the sport for two years fun yeah it was the edgar fight so i don't think uh he's gonna lose any money from that purse but well there you go um you're asking people asking about the substance that he tested positive for i do not know enough about it i do not know enough about it to tell you unfortunately this is a situation that i often find myself in a lot of times, these test results happen, and like you, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Um, it happens quite frequently. Here, I'm going to take a picture of this, and I'm going to post it. Chad Mendes, two years. Well, I should say at this point, uh, how about uh, uh, 23 months? Pretty close to two years. Let's see. Rename. Mendez. Guys, here's the good news. This will totally clean up the sport. You better hope it does. Otherwise, we're just ruining people's careers. Uh, Out of MMA. Out for two years. For USADA. Violation dates to June, I think, 10. Correct? Yes. And we upload this picture on Twitter and we get on with this live chat since you guys have been so patient. There we are. All right. First question on the live chat. There we go. Dana's uh, Republican National Convention speech. Luke, do you have any thoughts on Dana's speech last night? And someone writes below, he probably reached for the puke bucket like I did. I actually missed it in real time and caught it after the fact. I mean, look. If you would like to send me hate mail, you may do so. Uh, I will probably not take it very seriously, but you are nevertheless ready to uh, and able to do it. You can email me at luke.thomas at sbnation.com. Feel free to send me whatever angry and um, potentially fair, potentially deranged responses to this you would ever wish to do. Uh, I actually, so I missed it live. I went back and I watched it. For some reason, he was yelling. I don't know why he was yelling, but he was yelling. I don't know if. And I mentioned this on a podcast earlier today, and I mean this sincerely. Like I would not wish this upon him or anyone. I don't know if he suffered any hearing loss as a consequence to a the lifestyle or b the Meniere's disease, but it appears. I don't know that it appears that way, but he certainly yells a lot. Um, but whatever. I mean, if it's hearing loss, you can't get too mad at the guy, right? It's just, it's just, it's just hearing loss. There's nothing you can really do about it. But he was yelling. Okay, that was weird. Um but if you read like the terms of what he wrote, uh, it was, I would say largely non-political or if not mostly non-political. I mean, he never went out and, you know, he didn't come out and say things like blue lives matter or all lives matter or something like that. Um, but he essentially boiled it down to like, he believed in us. Trump did when no one else did, which is sort of a gross exaggeration of how it actually went down. Um, Essentially, Dana has this worldview where loyalty matters just about more than anything else. Although Trump's business with affliction apparently doesn't bother him, I, I don't. I don't understand the terms of it. Here's what I would say: You can't be like I'm non-political and then go speak at a political convention and say I'm not being political. The very act itself is political. And I've said this before in this live chat. I don't want to get too political. I will make this and move on because I know some of you want to die when we delve into this topic. Uh, supporting Trump is outright. And unequivocally unethical, period. I don't care. There's, there's no argument to the contrary. Now, supporting Clinton is also something that I could never consider myself doing under any other circumstance except this one uh, because Trump is a threat to democracy and voting against him is easy and it, an IQ test, basically. So um, don't do it. So what I found about his speech was that it was largely uh, non-controversial on the terms of the language, but in the greater grand scheme of things, unbelievably disappointing. There you go. Hate mail. Thomas at SBNation.com. Feel free to send it. Uh, okay. Oh, when the Brits call us Yanks, too. That's always fun. All right. Luke, UFC and the hunt for money. Hunt is capitalized. Luke, if you were the UFC and I'm not, would you, what would be your response to Mark Hunt's recent angry demands? Would you give him some or even all of Brock's purse, or perhaps even give him none and see him walk out? What are the UFC likely to be weighing up and worrying about most as they consider the situation? I don't think they're worrying about too much, to be honest. Um, <laughs> until the fighters, okay, I don't know how else to put this like. With rare exception, until the fighters fundamentally alter their current position of power and leverage with the organization, your protests are largely insignificant. And it hurts me to say that, but that is the truth. Mark Hunt can make all kinds of demands for purses. He can make all kinds of demands for um, uh, being released. If he's not going to get the purse, he can rally for a union. He can do whatever he wants. But if we're talking about what the terms of the contract says, now maybe there's a case for some kind of a lawsuit that I'm not aware of, but I don't think so. I think the ground is pretty much well covered here. Um, there's nothing they can do, the fighters. You guys all agreed to this. N- none of you ever, like, said we should stop doing this. We should not sign this. You've all agreed to it. Th- these are the rules that you agreed to. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else. I don't know what else to tell you. Um that I agree in spirit with Markant's anger. Sure. Of course. I mean, who like, wouldn't you be angry? Um that I would like to see him get some of the purse. Yeah, of course. Like, of course. But the UFC is not going to be leveraged, and they're especially not going to be leveraged in a circumstance where the fighters have agreed to participate under these terms. Now they may have agreed to them under, you know, I'm not gonna say duress exactly, but you know reluctantly or half-heartedly or you know angrily whatever but they did like the the you the, to to the extent that i'm aware and i've looked around and, and dug into this i don't know under what grounds given the existing contractual provisions and requirements the ufc can be held in breach of anything i don't i don't know what that would be um so I'm not, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm not here wishing ill for Mark Hunt. He's already had enough ill done to him. He should get some of that money. Um, and if he can't get that money, he should be allowed to get his walking papers. But just knowing I'm not the UFC, I can't speak like them. I don't, I don't have the same kind of interest or worldview. Just knowing what's largely going to be available to him, the answer is not much. It's not much. Now, certainly complaining might be able to get him a good fight on a big card next or, you know, some other kind of recompense uh, maybe but if he's talking about getting Lesnar's purse I mean the UFC can collect money but that they would hand it to the opponent is as I understand it, in the current um, um, in the current uh, uh, regulatory scheme that money would go to funding the program and or research uh, it would not go to him so I don't know what to tell him. I don't know. what to, I, I really don't. It's a bad. It's a t- terrible situation because you feel really bad for Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt called it in advance. He was like, this guy's just to the gills. They gave him a four month, um, waiver so he could make the deadline or, you know, sort of be there in time to, for everything to happen on, on schedule. Um, and he tested positive for in competition, but out of competition stuff as well. Now he certainly has not had his day in court. He has not had a chance to defend himself. There's all kinds of arguments right now about due process as a result um i don't know what to say i really don't know what to say it's i feel very bad for mark hunt because we'll get to this later we're having a big argument about peds now and i'm glad we're having it because we're finally getting to some place where i think a lot of what drove the interest towards you fans this usada stuff is what you asked for like it definitely wasn't me. I mean, the media generally, but this this is an arrangement that I would have liked to have seen um, slightly watered down with a fighter's union. And you can say whatever you want about that, but that's how I feel. Because the truth of the matter is, what all this tells me is that MMA fighters haven't gotten good at taking PEDs yet, and they're gonna they're gonna get much better. Um, because in other sports. What you commonly find is that the bigger I mean yes, many fail on tests, but um, some of the bigger pieces of the puzzle are found out through investigation and that testing is something akin to partly real, very important and also partly theater it's the it's the it's the projection of power rather than will the test actually help us determine who is and who isn't using um, I don't think MMA fighters have gotten very good at it yet and they're gonna And when they do, what are you going to say then? Um, But we're having this conversation about PEDs finally where we're beginning to argue, um, what do they do? What do they do? What is their harm? And when I say, what is their value? I don't mean value to the integrity of the sport, but I mean, why do people use them? What is it for? And there is a ton of hysteria. Like I keep reading and seeing people being like, You know, your side is going to get rid of the sport like this is some crime family. And once you cut off the head and you get rid of some of the cousins, Vinny and, you know, or I don't mean to make an Italian mob, pick any ethnicities mob. Once you get rid of that family, then the crime family is gone. No, no, no. Another crime family just takes over. You can pull weeds out of your yard. You can treat the yard and you may keep some weeds from growing, um, but the weeds are going to grow back. That's just how it's going to be. The question is sort of what effort do you want to go through and how much, you know, uh, how much does it matter to you to keep this out? I think that what you have to basically say is how much policing do you want before there's no crime? And I think what most societies have sort of come to terms with is that there is some crime that is just inevitable. We'd like to keep it low. And I think, you know, we can have different views about what that looks like, but, um, but for me there's two major problems with what's happening here. One is that there's just n- very little due process for fighters. You know, Joel Romero was exonerated to an extent, but not really, right? I mean, he ma- you can make a case he should have got that title shot and he didn't. Why? Well, because there's a pretty strong indication that the fact that he had the Usada issue is, has negatively affected his career and beyond that, all those insults that were hurled at him, they do not come un- unglued. They do not come away um even though you thought it was like hey, actually you know I mean you're responsible for what you put in your body but he didn't really do anything nefarious is essentially what they admitted um, as I understand the arbitration rules currently as they exist once the arbitration is reached a conclusion it's binding if you want more than one person on the panel up to three you have to pay for it like there are all kinds of rules about due process that I find very troubling Right, So there, that's the first part about it. But the second part is related to this PED stuff. Like there's no doubt that let's assume Lesnar is just going to admit guilt. I don't know that that's true, but I'm just saying for the purpose of this conversation, let's assume that Lesnar is going to admit guilt. There's no doubt he took them to get a benefit. PEDs are, should not be allowed. Right. We can all agree with that, like that that debate is over. But I keep seeing that, like, if we just keep hammering these fighters harder, this will go away, which is not true. And I keep seeing, like, if we just made these penalties stiffer, this will make it go away. That's not really true. Fighters have an unbelievable incentive to cheat. The fact that most don't is quite remarkable because it's always going to be there. In a sport this dangerous, in a sport where it's this difficult, the the will and the urge to cheat, especially as they get better at cheating, is just going to be outrageously high. So far, they haven't really got they haven't become all that sophisticated as cheaters. That will change. For sure, that will change. They will, especially as they get more money, they will get better at it. And the last part about this is I keep seeing this. I saw the article in Forbes about this. Now, I don't know if it was one of these situations where it's like a contributor to Forbes rather than like a Forbes guy on the payroll, but he was arguing if you get caught with PEDs in a fight, you should be criminally prosecuted, which to me is like insane. Totally insane. Now, again, I am not here to tell you that they don't confer a real benefit. I'm also not here to tell you that there won't be cases you can point to where you can see someone becomes noticeably more dangerous as a consequence of um, PED use, right? You could point to the TRT VTOR as a real strong anecdotal case for that. However, we have had situations where we had lax commission testing in the case of PRIDE, no testing at all, um, and we had no serious injury or death. It seems to me that the real problem with MMA is that MMA in and of itself is incredibly dangerous. And if you want to point to like, when have deaths and serious injury happened, they've happened in amateur shows, they've happened in unregulated shows, and they've happened in in poorly regulated shows. Almost universal. Almost universal. It to me would be, look at the beating that Neil Magny, a clean athlete, gave Hector Lombard. That, to me, is much scarier than someone using clomiphene uh, after the fact. Much, much scarier. Uh, If you've ever been to a regional MMA show and you've seen um, a mismatch, like a real mismatch, I've seen guys in LA. I saw a girl once take a head kick, and she got badly hurt. They had to stretch her out. And it was a clear mismatch because the promoter, was uh, also a gym trainer so he'd give all of his fighters experience against someone and he matched up one of his like clearly athletic female students who was pretty talented against just some scrub who wanted to fight and she got wrecked wrecked scary like the kind of when they're snorting and stuff you know uh as are unconscious it was it was bad scene and there's verifiable deaths that have happened under these circumstances when there is no commission or a poor poor oversight it um, turns out that the licensing process, the weigh-in process, the oversight process, there may be a bit of a dog-and-pony show at times, um, but it will keep people safe. I don't worry so much about guys at the very top of the sport in terms of their health and safety. Of course, I worry about it as well. It, it, but I, I worry about it not in terms of who they are as athletes, but do they have the right referee in there? Is they, are they going to stop it in time? I worry much more about the regional-level athletes. Those are the ones where MMA is really dangerous because the UFC fights – are really dangerous, but it's really dangerous guy, typically versus another really dangerous guy, typically with a really good referee, relatively speaking. That's a manageable, controllable situation. And whatever benefit someone gets from taking EPO to get more cardio, people are like, oh, they dish out more damage. We don't really know that that's true. Like intuitively, that sounds correct, right? Everyone's like, look, you're a contrarian. Well. Okay, but this is a sport where we accept these myths all the time without ever saying we have any evidence to support it. Everyone's like, PEDs for sure for sure lead to more injury and death. Really? Where's the evidence? You can't brag about the safety record of the golden era of mixed martial arts and say steroids almost ruined it. You can't have it both ways. So which one is it? And where does the evidence currently exist? What does it really tell you? What it really tells you is PEDs, Absolutely confer a benefit, and absolutely should be tested for. And the people who use them absolutely should be punished. But if you want to talk about danger, if you want to talk about death, it comes from poor regulated MMA. That's that's where all. The, that's what all the evidence tells you. How about that kid in the um, in the Duke Rufus backed? He wasn't there, but the Duke, Duke Rufus backed kickboxing show where they didn't have the popular ambulance protocol and they didn't have the proper refereeing i mean they had al wickers who's a long-time referee but generally speaking it was a failure of officiating that caused him to be uh damaged and by the way on amateur shows across the country people are using stuff and no one ever gets tested for it. no one ever cares that's where the real danger is so the danger in peds is that yeah in certain cases some people might take more abuse in certain cases guys might have more energy to to, to fight but the truth of the matter is, let me pause at one scenario and then I'm going to move on. Um, because this is sort of like how I view it. Go back and look at that. If you saw the Monday Morning Analyst, who did I have on? I had uh, Luis smoker and Ben Wynn was the one I focused on. First of all, Ben Wynn is a tremendous fighter and so was Luis Smoker. And Ben Wynn, one of the most remarkable things about him in that fight was his unbelievable will. Tremendous will, man. He would not quit. Uh, referee Herb Dean had to save him in the most literal sense of the term. Okay. He just, he refused to be eaten by that shark, okay? Uh, And nevertheless, he was still being eaten. And um, he took a tremendous beating. Now, he couldn't take too many of those in his whole career. Like, he better not take another one of those in his next fight. Trust me, he needs to get back on the horse, and he will. He's a very talented guy. But the point being is this. Imagine you had a league where you just knew everyone was clean. It's I, I, I'm just theorizing it, but everyone was young. In fact, a, a, a clean league is by definition probably going to be a younger league anyway, because as the older you get, you just can't keep up. Right. So there's a there's a meritocracy involved, but everyone's clean. Right. So if you win, you can stay. If you lose, you go more or less over time. You mean to tell me if you spend ten years in that league that in every single case they're going to come out less brain damaged, less lacerations, less ligament tears, than people in the league where there's a modicum of testing now if there's outright steroid abuse i don't know i i, I can't speak to that I, I can't speak to any of these scenarios but I, that one i'm a little bit skeptical of but there's a modicum of testing they're 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 going to come out better off in the end i don't believe that at all i do not fundamentally believe that now i don't have any proof to 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 evidence these claims so you can say well look you're going going back on your own word and that's fine but I'm just trying to get you to think about a thought experiment here. MMA is inherently dangerous. The benefits that PEDs conferred over time in aggregate, I'm not even sure they're measurable in a, in a, in a league where there is at least a modicum of testing. There are going to be individual cases, sure, that you can point to where like this guy clearly was worse uh, off as a consequence of X, Y, and Z, no doubt about it, but in aggregate, over the course of years and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fighters and thousands and thousands and thousands of fights all these guys are going to be significantly more brain damage they're going to be significantly more uh, face lacerations significantly more ligament tears significantly more broken bones i don't believe that at all cuz you a, a a a a ped free in shape young talented fighter like Luis Smoka, if a referee isn't doing his job can take your life. That's where the real danger is. It is not in whether or not someone took an EPO and has more cardio to go up against the guy. Not nearly as much anyway. Not nearly as much. So to me, as as, I, as I've as moved down these line of questions, I'm sorry to get off on this tangent, but we need to have a, like a more realistic conversation about what PEDs do in MMA. Oh, well, you're hitting someone's face. You're not hitting a ball. Okay, what does that mean? What? Where is the data that shows that this is a, that PEDs clearly lead to more serious injury, that PEDs clearly lead um, to more uh, deaths? There's plenty of guys who've used PEDs and have had worse records as a consequence. It's, it's the evidence is anything but clear. So, all I'm saying is, as we police the ranks here, we need to start asking ourselves what is it we're policing? How much effort do we want to put into it before we realize there's just going to be some level of it that is uncontrollable? And that's okay because that's the trade off we make with um, not having to spend this tremendous amount to clean things up that just really can't be cleaned. All right. Frankie Egger and his future at Featherweight. Luke, after falling short to Aldo at UFC 200. Frankie is most likely stuck at 145-pound limbo. In Edgar's perfect world, McGregor would return to 145 pounds. I can't believe we've lost that Edgar McGregor fight. Mm. After fighting Diaz, defeat Jose Aldo, and then commit to staying at featherweight. In that case, the UFC would need an opponent for McGregor, and Frankie would be a fresh matchup for the fans have all wanted to see. However, we all know that a number of likely possibilities will interrupt that from ever happening, including McGregor not returning to 145, Aldo defeating McGregor in their rematch, one of them pulling out of the rematch, or... Even if McGregor wins, just decides he's done with that division after that. And if Jose were to defeat McGregor, it will probably be tough for Edgar to receive a third shot at Aldo. Question Is it in Frankie's best interest to remain at Featherweight and hope that McGregor's situation gets sorted out? Does this make him the Joseph Benavidez of a featherweight where he is stuck fighting off contenders or with all the factors mentioned in the fact that he's aging, should he consider a weight class change? His coach, Mark Henry, called into my show and told me he could make 135. No problem. I mentioned it on this before. Uh, I would like to see him try weight. If he wants to stick it out to see what happens between Aldo and uh, McGregor, I, I don't know that would be opposed to that, but Mendez is gone and Frankie already iced him. So maybe he feels like he could stick around and get another crack at it, then do it. But um, you know i would be very i would try to get as much clarity from ufc matchmakers about that cuz if they offered him an immediate title shot at bantamweight or immediate number 1 contender fight at bantamweight that might be more in his interest you know mvp question just how impressed are you with mvp and just how good do you think he could become he can become very good is it likely that he excuse me is it likely that the ufc are already seriously wondering how they can get him into their organization i'm sure how badly do you think Bill would want to keep Page? Very badly, especially as they move international. He was—I uh, had Simon Head. I spoke to him, the journalist for the Sun, and he, and of course you can other journalists as well sort of talked about this that he was like really the big star there. He was the one whose people, you know, they were buying his merchandise. He's the one who went viral. He's the one he excites fans. He's a showman. Uh, he's got a unique skill set. You know, there's a lot to like about Michael Venom Page. Look, here's the, here's the truth about him though. Like, do, do any of you guys—and this was a while ago—but do any of you guys remember the No Sean Burrell fight? where essentially it was boring and it was terrible, but MVP got held against the cage. Now, he won that fight, but he won it barely. Like, he did not win it cleanly at all. Um, And even in the first round against Cyborg, he got taken down and held in side control. So look, here's what I'm going to tell you. I think it'd be foolish to underestimate his ground game. I think it would be... it's, It's obviously he needs to step up in competition. Um... Obviously, he has a tremendous skill set, and even though he got held down the first round, it proves that he can always, at the blink of an eye, he can crack you and and put you away. Quite literally, crack you and put you away. But um, I do think there are very legitimate open questions about his wrestling and ground game. I I do believe that uh, questions, not affirmative responses. But a lot of people are like, "Oh my god! Like, why is he? You know." getting all these cans or whatever. I'm not calling Santos a can. I'm simply repeating a lot of the criticisms that have been made about the matchmaking that Bellator has given him. kind of on Bellator's side on this one. Um, He needs time to get better. And I understand why they're going slow with him because he's not quite there yet, right? So... Someone says this sounds like the same arguments brought up to discredit Connor, except the guys who held down Connor were really good wrestlers. No, Sean Burrell is not. But okay, you guys look, you guys want him to fight someone who can wrestle his ass off? Careful what you wish for. Luke, do you think that Condit Maya now being five rounds is a big advantage for Condit? Yes. Also, how happy are you that these two warriors get to headline a Fox card? Super happy about that, aren't you guys happy? Five rounds changes the game a little bit. You know, it gives uh, it, it makes more time that potentially Maya might have to work. It gives Condit more chance to um, hang on and reverse his fortunes and 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 do what he has to do. Um, I favor Maya pretty heavily in that one, only because of the, the way the style contrast works. But like MVP. Condit can strike in the blink of an eye. He has good defensive jiu-jitsu. Like, it's a fun fight. It's a really fun fight. So the fact that it's five rounds means someone like Maya, who can be a slow finisher, it gives just a little bit more breathing room, so to speak, uh, for Condit in the event that he has to hang on and reverse his fortunes. If a fighter and or coach reached out to you for a comprehensive breakdown or second opinion on their opponent, And said they'd pay you would you do it or would that be unethical in your eyes it would be unethical and i can't imagine it would ever happen i'm I'm not breaking down things in like the most sophisticated ways i'm breaking them down in like a one or two stages there's another stage or maybe several stages beyond that but for the purposes of a podcast and for general edification i feel like that even that first or second stage of edification um is still beneficial um at least i think it is uh and so that's why i do it but i don't do it because it's like um, now I am kind of proud that like with the Monday morning analyst, I get a lot of positive feedback from fighters, which actually makes me feel pretty good if I'm being honest. But, um, but even then I don't, I'm not seeing anything that their coaches probably don't see. Right. And I'll just remember it's a fight. If you get rocked or hurt or panicked or what tired or whatever, it can just change the way you compete and change who you are and make you do things you don't want to do. Lando Venata was on aerial show on Monday and he was talking about going back and watching the fight and he was like why did i do this why did i do that these guys know better i'm not in many the vast overwhelming majority of cases there's nothing i'm saying that they probably don't know um but there's still maybe a little bit of fun to the exercise of taking a look at things slowing it down and seeing what worked and what didn't right conda versus maya as a headline oh yeah we went over this one i uh, look at the end of ufc stars It's natural for the UFC to experience an era of stars that bring mainstream attention to the sport, but now it seems like they could all potentially fizzle out at the same time. This is what happens every time. This is what happens every time. Ronda Rousey's future remains in question. Uh, Let's see. Conor McGregor's stock dropped after he was submitted by Nate several months ago. He could take a hit if he loses to him again. Jon Jones has had a number of issues outside the cage, and Brock Lesnar may never return. A question. With the future of the present UFC stars currently in limbo, what other fighters can possibly hold the torch in their place? As it currently stands none they're the guys and the ladies right now paige van Zandt might be able to get bigger or um you know just name someone but here's the truth of the sport they often a cast of stars typically appears together and they kind of fade slowly sometimes quickly and then there's a few stragglers like anderson silva is the star of a previous generation who is still a star in this generation but nevertheless made a name prior to like i've I talked to so many fans who started watching around 2010 or 2011 it's like you missed a lot of what made Anderson Silva special uh you caught a lot of it too of course but um but you lost that moment he really rose to prominence you know i'll never forget Chris Lieben. i'll never forget where i was actually at my old job uh the day that fight came out and i was like so excited to get home and watch it you know i distinctly remember that because people were asking me about it and i was telling them like this guy this guy this guy this guy you know um, the way I think I broke it down was guy who's an incredible hitter versus guy who takes an incredible hit, which uh is true, except even the his ability to take an incredible hit wasn't enough in this particular case. Um, so but they all come in usual packs, right? They they come together and they kind of fade over time. So, like that Penn, Hughes, GSP, Silva, Force Griffin, Stephen Bonner, Liddell, Couture era, there's a few guys hanging on from that era, still kind of stragglers, but. A lot of that era is gone. It's a new era uh, for the most part, and the same thing will happen with this one. A lot of them will go away at the same time, and then um, and then uh, a new one will emerge. And the sport's going to go like this, and the sport's going to go like that. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, there's, you know, I understand why the UFC is selling. Trust me, everyone's talking about Ali Act and everything else, but it's it's less complicated than that. This is a star driven sport. Um, certainly, this is one where the UFC has made the brand big enough to withstand. Ebbs and flows, but the ebbs and flows to an extent are inevitable. And, um, all you can do is just wait until a new crop emerges. They will. The UFC has an ability to not necessarily create them out of thin air, but make those, um, you know, identify talent and push them in ways that can make them be more than who they are. But, guys, this is just the nature of the business. Look at boxing right now. Everyone's talking about this as being an existential crisis for boxing. Are you really to believe there's never going to be another major star in boxing? And I don't mean to disrespect Canelo, but I mean like, uh, um, you know pacquiao type i i I have a hard time believing that it, it's a star driven sport it will ebb and it will flow here's how you can tell that mma is like hot right now i mean there's any number of different uh pieces of anecdotal evidence but the one i've sort of looked at is um a lot of boxing writers are covering mma in a more dedicated way now <laughs> uh, i am seeing quite a bit of that uh and i don't blame them because i when boxing was hot i did the same thing so um but that's sort of an, an indication like they're they're going to go where the combat sports heavy hitting action is at least in the united states right now that's almost exclusively uh in mixed martial arts that the biggest fights the ones that get the most coverage typically with some exception are going to be uh mma fights right now alvarez versus habib have you heard any rumors about this matchup i have not the Mayday a Lineker card. Was it the card of the year? Ooh, good question. I don't think it was. However, someone says we got some big finishes, a fight of the year candidate in Venata versus Ferguson. I would say round of the year candidate not that fight. A pair of great grapple fests in Lopez Yaya win versus Smolka. The only card I think that was as good was his RDA versus Alvarez. I, I think it's a little premature to say anything else, but... Um, Definitely Venata Ferguson round of the year round one. I dedicated a whole podcast episode to win versus smoke up. Ben win approved, by the way. So go check that out. And then yeah, honey Yaya, yeah, yeah, man. That little dude, <laughs> he's uh he's something special. He really is. Like he's one of these guys who's like, you know what? I'm not even gonna bother striking, bro. Just I'm not even gonna like y'all worry about hitting mitts. You know, I'm just gonna do my thing. I it's and I and I love it. I think it's so great. Uh, let's see here. All right. Uh, Kawa versus Chael Sonnen. Luke, did you catch Chael Sonnen's podcast? You're welcome with Moki Kawa this week. Curious about your thoughts. I did not hear it. What did I miss? Apparently he said if a guy spikes your drink and rapes you, well, honey, you should have been looking after your drink. Did he say that? Did he really say that? God. Oi, 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 oi. I can't be real. Luke, in your, in your opinion, does Mark Hunt have a case? Should UFC compensate him? I mean, in my opinion, they should, but he's hamstrung. He's totally hamstrung. Have you seen the tough twenty-four cast? This tough move by UFC is genius. In one season of Tough, they're enhancing an entire division tenfold. Most, if not all, the fighters on that tough twenty-four roster are on the cusp or ready now for the UFC stage. Uh Demacia Page coming come gone. I suspect 80-90% and Timelia too. I suspect 80-90% will be given a shot on the tough finale card. What do you think of the tough 24, the cast? Who's your early favorite? Well, they've got all these guys holding belts. Remember that some of these belts I'm not saying they don't mean anything, but you should have managed expectations. about what they mean, but it's a cool way to position um, flyweight. You've got this all time great potentially in Demetrius Johnson. Let's build a cast of guys who are all champions. Even though you know there might be another previous cast where they weren't necessarily all champions, but they were equally as good as all these guys. If that makes sense, um, but they weren't necessarily belt holders. So the belt holders makes it sellable in a way. Uh, look. I don't watch Ultimate Fighter. I, I'll, I'll give it a try if the action's good. Then um, I'll at least watch the fights. Uh, I didn't watch any of this past season. Looks like I didn't miss much, but I, this is one of those kinds of situations where maybe you could be missing out if you don't pay attention, given um, the strength of the talent. But I just appreciate that they're trying to improve flyweight. You know, bantamweight is hot, uh, featherweight is hot, lightweight is always hot, welterweight is hot, middleweight is interesting, light heavyweight. I don't know what they're gonna do with that, and heavyweight is at least you know. Um, well, it was interesting with Lesnar. I don't know what they're going to do with it now, but certainly flyweight could use some improvement. You know, how many times have we seen a guy come through? Is like this is the, John Moraga got a title shot off Facebook. You know, they don't want to be in those situations anymore. And I appreciate that they're going to do something about it. So, sure, I'm not going to bag on this guy at all. There's a lot of really credentialed guys on here. Matt Schnell, I think, was the guy from MTV. Um, obviously, want to pay attention to Yanni uh, Sherbatov. He's got a lot of ability as well. Um, and there's other ones too. Uh, Pantoha, or I, I don't know how to say it. Oh, it's Panto- a buddy of mine is venezuelan so it's pantoja in spanish i don't know what it is in um portuguese pantoja i don't know how they pronounce it but in any event uh there's a lot of good guys on that card so if they can really uh, the the cast so if it substantively improves things cool man but like don't buy too too much into the belt thing it's slightly gimmicky slight just slightly just slightly they're all good fighters um but we'll see how many of these guys actually have a lot lasting contribution to the flyweight division Holly versus Valentina, a striking exhibition. Do you think the fight between Holly and Valentina will be a tactical battle of movement, footwork, and wits? I do, but I wonder if it can wind up being boring too. Now, I'm glad it's five rounds because that may make some of the rounds boring, but you guys know what Holly's going to do, man. She is going to work at range. Uh, Valentina's probably going to work at range as well, but in different ways. Um, she may want to mix up the range a little bit more to get inside in some ways, but, you know, look, home is hard to get a hold of, hard to keep a hold of, You guys should be prepared for a little bit of uh, something. I am not calling Renault's skill set equivalent to Shevchenko's, um, either in ability or style. But the fight might look something like that because we've seen Shevchenko can also be a bit of a slow starter before she gets warmed up. Um, She's going to have to hurt home to get home to make adjustments that she's ordinarily not going to want to do. Um, So just be prepared for that. Easier to learn takedown defense versus striking defense. It is much easier to learn takedown defense. Now, at some point, what okay, let me let me correct that. Um, it's hard to learn both, but I, I believe I've seen more, and I, I don't know if I can substantiate this, but my my hunch is that I've seen more people pick up takedown defense more quickly than I have striking defense. Um because striking offense i think is so it's so potent it is so um, immediate right it, from a block i can go right into a punch you can do a, you can go from a shot right to a shot but it's a much more a physically laborious kind of thing um, i've just seen people pick up takedown defense more quickly I'm not exactly sure why that is um, either through willingness or ability or the very nature of it i'm, I'm not exactly sure I have to think more about that. But, yes, my, my, what I've witnessed personally is that takedown defense is comes a little bit more natural to people in terms of how quickly they pick it up. But, you know, I, get, get a second opinion is what I would say. What do you think of Aldo's performance against Edgar at UFC 200? Um, I'm going to say that because I am still working on a fun little breakdown for you donks. And it might come out, and you might say, I don't care anymore. And that might be okay. But I'm going to do it just for my own edification and my own fun. Uh, I think it's one of the most brilliant performances of his career, to be quite honest, especially coming off that rebound. Pfft. Man. pay per view buys for 201. I was looking at the main card for UFC 201 last night, and I don't think it will get more than 200K buys. It might not. There are some cool fights, but I don't think anyone on that main card is a real pay-per-view draw. Can you estimate how many pay-per-view buys the 201 card will get? Maybe around three, a little bit less. I think it'll get more than 200, but not much more. That's a lame duck card, man. its I mean, that's not quite the appropriate use of lame duck, but just that Rocking that hard place spot between 200 and 202 is just a bad spot, man. You know, what are you going to do? Someone says Lawler is an effing warrior. How can you not watch 201? Lawler is the goat. I mean, you might feel that way, but the question is not whether you feel that way. The question is whether there's commercial interest generally in him. And there is not a ton of evidence to suggest that there is. Not that he is a commercial black hole that's not quite correct either but it's not quite clear that he is a mega draw but yeah I mean if you're asking me like is Robbie Lawler worth seeing like if a person was like hey I'm thinking about buying this I think I should watch Robbie Lawler I'd be like yeah you probably should What'd you make of the UFC terminating Mirko Krokop's contract so he could fight on the rising card? Yeah, good. That's what should have happened. He apparently, uh, uh, you know, he had acknowledged HGH use, but uh, didn't test positive for it. So this was hardly some kind of issue. He is not, um, this is not going to make headlines here in the United States. This is not going to like, you know, um, hurt their anti-doping efforts from a PR standpoint here. Um, Sure. I don't have any problem with it. Chael Sonnen said, people talk about rock bottom for John. We're not there yet. That's stuff that goes on and that he hasn't been caught for. Brendan Schaub said, we're not even close. Even you said you hear things about Jones. Can you clarify what they are talking about? There's just a lot of people around John, or at least they say they're around John or think they're around John I'll just tell you what I hear I mean I can't say specifically what I hear speaking of which any goodies for me no um, there's just a lot of people around him that say things that indicate um, it could get worse for him one way or the other Holy crap. My email's full. Jesus. Here we go. By the way, uh, this is just from an email someone sent me. I do not know if this is true, but I'm going to read it. Oh, wait. This is from Wikipedia. GHRP6 is a human growth agent fairly new to the market. It is considered an opioid but lacks opioid activity and grants stimulating effect of GH growth hormone. growth hormone. It barely gives an increase in plasma, insulin, and... The main clinical application of these agents is the treatment of growth hormone deficiency. We also see black market use similarly to anabolic steroids for bodybuilding purposes. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Apparently, someone is telling me it has a 15 to 60 minute half-life injectable GHRP6. And this person says, quote, they must have tested him very near to when he injected himself. That's hilarious. Well, there you go. But yeah, with John Jones, man, like, um, I mean, I've said as much on this as I'm going to say because I can't keep repeating myself, but either he's going to get it together or he's not, you know. Mark Ramondi, uh, my esteemed colleague, what do you think of your colleague Mark Ramondi's take that this could be a supplement issue for Jones and even Lesnar if ESPN's report is true that he got popped for the same drug? I guess the real question is, are you okay with athletes continually using the I was ignorant defense? Well, to the extent that it's real, sure. Jump on the gravy train, Luke. I got boogers in my nose, y'all. Damn. Jump on the gravy train, Luke. With the success of Pokemon Go, Barbas, is- Barbas, Barbas. Venga. Hey. Barbitas. Oh, there he is. Okay. With the success of Pokemon Go, it's time to make Shave Luke Thomas mobile, featuring the music of Simon and Garfunkel. Throw in a Shave Barbas add-on for two ninety nine, and you'll be making Sage Northcut money in no time. Why would you want to shave Barbas? Come here, buddy. look at this dog (laughs) you hear him whining he's not whining but what's up man they want to shave you buddy what do you think about that my little guy my little guy UFC television rights look it was reported that the UFC sold for as much as it did due to do expected television rights increasing and expected to get a new deal done as part of a 10 year deal and revenue expected to increase four times of what it currently is at in your honest opinion with the current take home from Fox being approximately 115 million a year this was reported in the sports business journal can you see that type of increase in the next contract. Does this put even more pressure on Fox to make a sizable extension offer to try and get a deal done sooner rather than later? Does the UFC use their Fight Pass subscription model and change their business philosophies to combat cord cutters and seize monthly subscriptions in lieu of a cable deal that does not meet their expectations come negotiation time? So if you guys didn't see it, here's the backstory on this one. Whenever someone asks, hey, is the UFC worth $4 billion, every donk out there goes, well, if it's sold for $4 billion, then that's what it's worth, which is not really a sophisticated way of assessing it. Like, why would someone think it'd be worth $4 billion? They just pull that number out of their rear end? No, these numbers are based on projections. That you can do it in a kind of abstract way, it does prove that it is worth that, but it doesn't get to the heart of why. Like, where does that $4 billion number come from? Okay, And where it comes from, apparently, is there's an article by John O'Rand and somebody else in the Sports Business Journal, and the article, it's a must-read couple of nuggets. Number one, it looks like William Morris Endeavor is considering going public and they would use that on a way to recoup on their investment uh, into the UFC and of course a, a few other properties. So keep that in mind. That would be kind of interesting. Um, but the other one was that Turner. Broadcasting was interested in buying the UFC, ESPN was interested in buying the UFC, and Fox Sports was really interested in buying uh, UFC. Now, ESPN and Turner Sports, apparently, they got out pretty early on in the, in the purchasing process, but um, Fox Sports made a $3.6 billion offer to buy the UFC, which the UFC rejected. Now, here's the interesting part about that. In apparently selling to the new owners, the pitch that the current owners made was that they currently make about $115 million a year off their television rights fees through Fox Sports. What they anticipate is that when the new deal comes up in 2018, that that number annually will quadruple to something, or you know, more than triple, because it'll, they estimated it would be around $400 million a year annually. A couple things to consider here. Number one, if I'm an athlete, and I'm looking at the NBA money that they're getting right now because they get half of that television money, that's, that's an additional $200 million each year if they had an NBA deal. they would be $200 million more each year the fighters would be getting if they had the same kind of deal. Now, of course, NBA is a different organization, but you get the idea. Imagine if you had $200 million more in money being paid out to fighters every year, annually, okay? Um, that's the first part. I would just sort of – it's a thought experiment. But the other part about this that you have to kind of consider is um, – Apparently, all the television networks once they saw that the UFC was projecting they were going to get 400 million a year annually from a TV rights things, they all kind of backed out. At that point, I mean, the Fox Sports still tried to make the effort, but they all apparently had reservations that that was going to be true. And you look around, and certainly uh, live sports is big. Certainly, live sports with live events uh, and a live events company is big, um, and owning it would be you know tremendous, but. Uh, ESPN is letting big talent go. They have a ton of costs. They have let uh, middle management go to pay for existing rights fees. Um, I'm not here to say that the UFC won't get more than $115 million a year, but the question is, if you're these new owners and you're banking on $400 million annually, remember, not just 400 million aggregately, $400 million each year, Let's see what they come up with because there's a lot of evidence to suggest that in a couple of years, who knows what the market's going to be like for television rights fees? Who knows how much more cord cutting is going to happen? Who who knows? Right now, the most superior sports viewing experience, if you're not there live, is still on television. Streaming sports has just not come along yet, but one really has to wonder how far away that is. How much further away is it where um, there's a real clear discernible upgrade in watching broadcast sports on television versus stream sports on a computer or stream sports on a computer then put on television. Um, and I don't know that that's going to be settled by 2018. Um, but that's, this is something to keep your eye on. Yeah. One says YouTube, they must be doing a decent rev split in YouTube. Perhaps they were adding that into the projection. I'm sure that is virtually such a small part of everything. Virtually nil. Cisco predicts that by 2019, 70% of web traffic will be mobile at at a minimum. And 80% of that will be video. I firmly believe that's true. I don't doubt Cisco's projections at all. But the money they're making from YouTube is a, a drop in the bucket. Tips for a new radio show and podcast host. I know you get this question a ton for aspiring writers, but here's a twist. I'm launching a new radio show this fall, and I want to book as many legit MMA personalities as I can because the local AM drive time guys have no idea what they're talking about when they interview fighters. What is the best way to book fighters? Through UFC PR. Managers, agents tweeted them. Um, The best way, in my judgment, is to have a relationship with them, which is not going to help you in the short run. But to the extent you go through managers, to the extent you go through UFC PR, to the extent there's any kind of middle person, uh, it can create. It, it, you might think it makes it easier for you, and it does in the short run, but in the long term, it makes you dependent on them, which you don't want to be. The question about Mark Hunt. I don't know what to tell you guys about Mark Hunt. I feel as bad for him as you guys do, but I he is. What, what, what option does he have? He can just protest. Good luck. This is an interesting question. Diaz-McGregor 2 is the most important fight for the UFC right now or ever. We can all agree that Diaz-McGregor has moved into pop culture space, which is where the big ratings come from. If Nate wins, not only will McGregor take a big hit to his stardom, UFC takes the same hit since he is their biggest star at the moment. Also, it's very possible Nate just pieces out and says, I'm retired, I don't need to fight anymore, considering the massive payday he's getting. The UFC would essentially be taking two massive hits in one night. What do you think of the significance of Diaz-McGregor 2 in terms of ratings, pop culture, effect, and repercussions? Well, I am not nearly as dire as the rest of you guys are. Um, I certainly don't disagree that if McGregor loses, it would have some unfortunate consequences potentially for him. But remember, we are still in a position where he is fighting far outside the weight class where he has made his name for himself. Even if, even if he can't go back to featherweight, he can still go to lightweight, and there are still big fights for him there. But... Ultimately, uh, if you're not hype, this is not something to worry about. And I don't think he's necessarily hype, uh, although there are obviously some tough fights for him. You saw the way Alvarez beat um, Dos Anjos. Now, he had to stuff a takedown to do it, but it's not inconceivable that McGregor could have done the same thing, although, you know, opinions will vary. Um, I guess the point being is, like, either you're the guy or you're not the guy. This is the fight McGregor wanted. These are the risks you run. It's not a fully law situation and never forget the central, the two central virtues of the UFC and why you don't want some portions of the Ali act, depending on your perspective about how they might look when they're ultimately if and when they're ultimately put into law. Number one, they put on the fights that people want to pay, pay money to see. I am not personally somebody who likes Bisping versus Hendo. However, I, I understand why they're doing it. I think there is a fair amount of enthusiasm for it. I think it will do commercially quite well. Um, I'll give it other alternatives. And um, they're doing it because they obey that maxim. And that maxim has kept them uh, in pretty good shape along the way. The other part is that, however, the best fight the best. And this is a situation where we're not talking about divisional supremacy. This is more a clash of star power. But it's one where it has kind of that feel of uh, testing McGregor's greatness since he already lost, and so you're getting some of that first maxim and then some of that second maxim in a bit of, bit of a twisted way, but it nevertheless works, and that's why this fight has the has the role that it does and the importance that it does um, for the UFC. Um, but I am not of the belief that if he loses, it's somehow curtains for McGregor. I don't. I don't. I don't buy that. Joanne Calderwood versus Jessica Andrade for UFC 203. Love it. Someone's asking, what do you think of it? I think it's awesome. I think it's really awesome. How angry do you think Vince McMahon is with this Lesnar PED debacle? I don't care. Um, The worst part of Alvarez being lightweight champ is the UFC is now obligated to hold another event in Philly. <laughs> Oh, the Philly donks. I I love tilting Philly donks. But no, I actually think the UFC should go back to Philly. Philly's a fight town. Uh, Alvarez has some popularity there. Um, yeah, I'd be in favor of it, for sure. That's the first one all day. True, false. Holm becomes the first female to hold the accomplishment of being a two-time UFC champion. False. Woodley finally cracks Lawler's deteriorating chin. Unlikely, but potentially true. I'll say false, but that's a... mm. If Rose beats Carolina, they give Joanna the winner of Andrade versus Calderwood to preserve Rose's confidence and momentum. They might, uh, but I don't know if Calderwood can really... Yeah, they might. I'll say true, they might. Tate doesn't fight until 2017. so hot up here in my third floor true you want headlines a fight night in brooklyn in the hopes of bringing the polish contingency i don't know that that is true but i'll say true because i wish it was true the skip one robbie lawler's legacy has robbie lawler had the greatest career resurgence that we've seen in mma probably yeah Feels like he's living under GSP's shadow. If he had a similar accomplishments at lightweight or middleweight, I wonder if more people would be talking about the guy. Or is it perhaps his stoic laconic demeanor that keeps him away from the spotlight? It's a little bit of all those things. Partly Lawler's current run is measured against his previous greatness, his maturity, his previous faults. He can't it's the it's one of the better career resurgences I've ever had, but you can't in terms of the overall body of work. Some of his lackluster space in between is just impossible to ignore unfortunately Our athletic commissions controlling the evolution of mma despite being a young sport mma hasn't really evolved very fast when you look at the 10-point must system legal and illegal techniques the design of mma gloves the regulation of weight classes the weight cutting conventions and other important elements this young sport seems to be stagnating in many ways Is this lack of evolution simply due to commissions or does the UFC and other actors have power they're not using? I think it's a combination of both. Consider what the NFL is doing. They're going to put microchips in the uprights of the field goal because they want to see if there is enough reason to narrow them. And they're always changing the rules. Where can you kick off from, uh, you know, some of the rules you may not like about, you know, hitting a defenseless receiver or whatever the case may be, but... If one thing you can't say about the NFL is that they're not constantly trying to iterate the game to keep it fresh, to keep it interesting, to make just just to make it different. Uh, and I feel like MMA has such a problem because we have bestowed upon the task of innovation in inert, incapable, largely incompetent government officials. Now, certainly the UFC can get around that by by pushing the issue. But they seem reluctant to rock the boat too much in that regard. And so here we are um, with rules that are very, very difficult to update. And I don't like it very much. And I don't think many of you do either. There are a lot of rules you could be like, this, need, this clearly needs to change. Um, and we aren't there yet. Because no one's making an effort. He went back to the couch. All right. Just wondering where your producer's picks are for the upcoming Holm Shevchenko card. I don't know. I'll ask her today. Chicago, true, false. All right. Holm doesn't finish Shevchenko. She will not get the next title shot. False. If Shevchenko doesn't finish Holm, she will not get the next title shot. Also false. Holm Shevchenko is much more competitive than the minus 300 plus 250 odds would indicate. True. The chances of Barboza versus Mint Melendez being the best fighter of the night are at least 99%. False. The decision to put a heavyweight fight between two fighters whose names most people can neither recognize nor pronounce is an odd, although if you want to save the Olivera-Montastri fight for Fight Pass, I suppose the options are quite limited. True. This is by far the weakest Fox card to date. 100% true. This is Benavidez. Given the current success of the now former flyweight, would you like to see Joe B make another shot at 135? Can't hurt. How close is Jones to having the NSAC take action against him with respect to the charge of bringing the sport into disrepute given the cumulative history of misdeeds he has collected? Probably not very close. Do you have any thoughts on the McLaren report commissioned by WADA after, you know, Years of inaction. That looked into the claims made by uh Grigory Rodchenkov, the former head of Russia's National Anti-Doping Laboratory. Water President Sir Craig Reedy des- described the scope and scale of the findings as a real horror story, calls for a blanket ban on Russia from both the Olympics and Paralympics, followed by the publication of the McLaren report on Monday. Given the current climate in the sport of MMA regarding stars being caught with banned substances, and you really getting stuck. Uh, is there a danger that the rabbit hole could just be as deep as the Russian Olympic one? Well, that was a very coordinated effort that came from all levels of the Russian government, quite honestly. If you read the McLaren report, by the way, WADA just could not look worse. Um, USADA looks pretty good. Uh, WADA does not look pretty good. Uh, many of their labs, not merely in Russia, but worldwide, have come under question about whether they deserve to be WADA sanctioned. I don't know about the one in Salt Lake City, but certainly Brazil has had a problem with this because now they're not sure where they're going to send the samples in uh, collected during the Olympics to be tested. Since there's a problem of accreditation for the laboratories down there um so yeah it's a problem it's a major problem uh kenya's had issues um, um obviously russia's issue here's the issue with this that I, I so what precipitated well the mclaren report had been in the work for a while but what precipitated a lot of this was of course the new york times investigation the New York Times and uh, released an investigation. I had one of the guys who was the investigative reporter for the New York Times on my radio show. What he basically said was like, and I mentioned this before, testing is important because you have, you have to think of testing like airport screening for the TSA. Like a lot of people are going to realize, I don't want to even try to get through this. I'm not going to do anything. and Or many people aren't doing anything and it's just a, inconvenience for them or something but there are going to be others a who come to the front of the airport who don't even bother with the screening who still run up with guns There are going to be people who get through the screening and there's going to be people on the other side who are on the inside and you know give them weapons or bombs at the gate um these are all things that can be done and and so forth in other words like testing has value testing is real testing is not insignificant but a lot of these guys who get caught i mean they didn't it wasn't a bunch of positive tests that all of a sudden sprung up that made them whip into action. It was a whistleblower and an investigation. And Lance Armstrong, it turns out, had positive tests after the fact, but what got him was whistleblowers and investigations. Like, the big ones, a lot of this, it doesn't come from positive tests. This is what I'm telling you. Like, MMA fighters, the big takeaway for me is you got Leota Machida just writing down 7-Keto DHEA on his thing because he doesn't even realize it. And I'm not saying that's the same thing as this, but, like, you have guys who don't realize they're doing anything and they're getting popped. You have guys with supplements who are getting popped. You have guys that are using and they're not good at using yet. I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you, remember this moment in time, please. MMA fighters will get better at using steroids. And what's going to bring some of them down is going to be investigations, not testing. This idea that like this, we can push testing to extremes and catch and then deter everyone is simply not, not the case. Not without massive costs uh, and some of which both are human resource and financial. And I don't think anyone would really want, anyone in, in positions of power really wants to go through with that. So just keep that in mind that part of what, and this is the guy's quote from the New York Times, this is what he told me. In fact, I'm going to pull this up. I'm going to tweet this out. SoundCloud. Here we go. Ian Austin I had on my show. This is what he said. This is so interesting, interesting to me in, in, in reading this article and of course just sort of following the story generally i mean you, you mentioned a uh, very uh, i think astute observation that a lot of the biggest busts come from investigations not testing because we are ostensibly living in the greatest era of anti-doping testing and it feels like i mean i don't think everyone has free reign but are we appreciably in a better state of less doping
1: well I- I can only, you know, speak with some confidence about cycling, because, but of course, cycling is the poster child for for doping, right? So I guess it's a good example. Uh, if you had asked me, you know, at the height of Lance Armstrong, um, if there were any clean riders at the Tour de France, I would have told you that, you know, they could probably be counted on the fingers of both your hands. I would not make the claim that everybody who arrives to advance next month is clean, but I, you know, would hesitate to guess that the majority are now. And more important, I'm pretty sure that many of the contenders, including Chris Froome, who won last year, a Briton who was born in Kenya, uh, I mean, one can never be certain about these things, but... There's nothing to indicate he dopes, so that's a big, big improvement there. But I think you have to look at tests themselves as, as being a bit like the security checks we all have to endure when we get on an airplane. Um, they are, to some extent, theater, you know, to show that something's happening. Uh, the whole purpose in dope, you, you know, a doping program isn't about finding a drug that's super effective. It's its about finding a drug which is effective or methodology which is effective but undetectable. Um, and particularly in the current age when the doping drugs of choice in, in endurance sports are cloned human hormones. Yeah, there's lots of tests. There's lots of fancy machinery, but there are massive weaknesses in that part of the, the, the scene.
0: So there you go. We just aren't in the stage where MMA fighters are very good at it yet. Okay. Let's see here. I don't want to mute this. Yes. Okay, we're good. Uh okay, let's keep going. Let's go to the Twitter machine. Let's pull this up. Thoughts on Amir Khan saying he'd be willing to be in the UFC as soon as next year. I mean, if he wants to get the shit beat out of him, this is his chance. Thoughts on Mendez's two year suspension. I don't know enough about what he did or the circumstances are to give much of one. But if in fact he was trying to dope, yeah, sure. I mean this is is where we're at, false. If Gomi still wants to fight, he needs to drop to 145. If provided, he can make it in a safe way, I suppose. Um, Mulkey was comparing a girl being date raped and told "watch your drink" to the attitude of Usada to I It's too explosive. I have I have to hear what he said, but it doesn't sound very good. Are you impressed with Tatiana Suarez? Does she have a bright future in UFC considering her relatively young age? I am. I like her aggressiveness, I like her submission hunting, I like her positional passing. I like how she marries passing and ground and pound. She's she's interesting. Thoughts on Bay versus Overeem at 203? Any of the rumor fights going to be on that card? I mean, I've talked about this before. Hypothetically, if a KO win like MVP's is followed by discovering a PED violation, what happens to the sport? Well, that would look bad from a, a PR standpoint, but I'm not sure what substantively it would add to the conversation since we have here in two cases, ostensibly, since the testing was done by the Mohegan Sun, two fighters who were clean and one still got damaged the way he did. So for all you guys out there being like, well, it would take PEDs to do it, pretty, pretty clearly not. But I don't, I don't disagree that if, in fact, it, it is to reveal that he's on PEDs that uh, – um, it would be a terrible PR look, but you know, in terms of the science of it, I don't know what that would really, I mean, we, we have a counterfactual argument right here. Um, true, false Jones never fights again. In the UFC false Lesnar never fights again in the UFC. True. Rousey defeats Nunes Nunez. If they fight. True. Uh, Other than McGregor Diaz, what fight are you most looking forward to? Ooh, good one. Um, That's obviously the big one, right? Um, Probably Miocic-Overeem, probably. Uh, But I am curious to see what Cain Velasquez does next, too. I think that's a big one. Thoughts on Edmund Tarverdian claiming Holm isn't a big hitter. That's true. And Rousey just got caught with him as a coach. The first part is true. The second part is, she, yeah, she got caught over and 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 over again and then over again and then over again and over again and over again. And over again. Isn't it a little barbaric that even injury prevention, recuperation drugs are banned in a sport like MMA? So this is not a topic I can speak about um, with any degree of sophistication, but I will point you to someone who tried to raise the issue. So I don't know if you guys watch Bill Simmons. He has a new show on HBO, Any Given Wednesday. I like it a lot as far as TV shows go. I know some people want to stick their nose up at it but I kind of enjoy it um it's kind of fun and lighthearted conversation anyway he had Malcolm Gladwell on and Gladwell is a bit of a fraud like you know 10,000 hours of practice and these kinds of things he finds patterns and symmetry where there are none but he did raise an interesting question which was um if you're in a sport like football now he didn't mention fighting but he mentioned football if you're in a sport like football where like literally the injury rate is a hundred percent And not only is it 100%, but the injury load is outrageously high, even relative to other sports, both in number and type. Why do we have the same kind of PED bans in that sport that we do in other ones, right? Ostensibly, at least why would some anti-doping acolytes wish to push it that way? Isn't there a case to be made that if you're carrying a greater injury load, shouldn't the rules about what kind of recuperative or healing medicines that are allowed shouldn't there be a different conversation about that? And I don't know what the answer to that is enough to know, can we really have a dividing line between recuperative medicines and, you know, how that bleeds into PEDs and whether there's a real possible to administer them in that kind of way. But I do think that's an interesting idea. All sports don't carry the same kind of injury loads. Some like American football carry outrageously high loads. And so to the extent there is medicine that can help heal that, um it should be allowed and that seems intuitively correct but without having uh, specific examples to point to i don't know how um definable a policy that actually is did you find the difference in aldo's physique between 94 and 200 alarming i certainly did not have you tried soda stream i also have not How good does it feel to know Ben Wynn approved and praised your MMA analyst of his fight with smoke? It feels great, man. Like, I don't ever expect it, but fighters like it. um, I feel good. And Demetrius Johnson did as well. Sort of. Um, What about the argument that PED use could potentially be safer, i.e. less injuries in training and fight? That's a tougher one for me to make. Um, there is an argument to be made that, of course, um, under a doctor's supervision, you could be potentially given a regimen of medicines that would be banned under current you know, water restrictions that would have a real medicinal effect in um, staying healthier, not be it merely from injuries. But um, again, I need to speak to a professional to really sort of grasp the nuances of that. Is TRT Vitor the cause for the PED hysteria? He is the poster child. He is the poster child. Who would win? Rumble versus Overeem? Rumble versus Overeem. Uh, ooh. That's a tough one. Probably Overeem if it goes late. Rousey versus Shevchenko? Probably Rousey. Kali Muscle versus Rich Piano. <laughs> uh, Kali Muscle versus Rich Piano. I'll say Rich. Someone's sending me this from markhunt.tv. Mark Hunt calls for Fighters Association and says he is the man to lead it. Let's see. Let's see. Um, with John Jones out of action, will we ever see a dominant and consistent champ in the lightweight classes and above? Um, yeah, I don't know how long it's going to be though. Where does Lando Venata go from here after his performance in Sioux Falls? I mean, you can match up with anybody who's a decent guy, lightweight and see where he goes. He's obviously tremendous talent, right? So it says, look, I emailed you about GHRP six. If you are curious, I am. Is that the one I read earlier? It is. <laughs> if there was a fighters union in place, could the fighters appeal USADA suspensions and try to get them reduced? Yep. Someone says, in an ideal world, PED usage is agreed upon in a fight contract. PED free fights require strict testing. I'm not sure what that means. Someone brings up a comment that was from a previous live chat. This was their comment. This is not my comment. This is theirs. This is from the user. Kill them all. "Quote: Brock manages to defeat Hunt, then Usada pops in for the biggest cocktail of steroids ever recorded." Uh, not quite the correct prediction, but not too far from it either. Would you like to see ONE FC's weight cutting policy sport wide? No. Touch on Hunto's call for a fighters' association during the live chat. I mean, let's see what he does with it. You know, I don't. I, I, it's there's nothing to really say until I can see what he is serious about doing. As much as I love Bruce Buffer, Joe Martinez is great. Would you like to see him used more? Joe Martinez is my favorite cage announcer, like by a million miles. Is the meta is metamores the worst of all rule sets? Has 32% sub rate EBI 72 excluding OT and IBJJF 41% at the world. Yeah, but IGJ- IBJJF also has points, so that's a bit of a misleading statistic. But he but then he goes on to say, and at least in e- EBI IBJJF there is almost always a winner. Uh, what can metamores do to change things up? I keep saying this: if you want to do sub only and you're not going to have rules like college wrestling type ride situations like they have at ebi then you need to go sub only no time limit and you could say that's not really feasible uh u.s grappling does it all the time it is feasible it's just i don't know how that's what that's what that's what sub only means sub only <laughs> or do points because points are actually great um More questions about Mark Hunt and a Fighters Association. Let's see. Why does the UFC struggle marketing to minorities? I'm not so sure that they do other than boxing's relationship to the black community is richer. um, And as well to Latinos. And the UFC is trying to make inroads into that. But I think that they'll have some success over time, actually. Who is a bigger threat, regardless of how much of a threat, to Joanna and why? JoJo or Rose? JoJo. Rose, I have tremendous respect for as a fighter, but I still think she's in a developmental stage. And I would still like to see her just... She's so young, man. She's so young. Just, I wish she had time to just get better, you know? Because I do think eventually she's going to be amazing. But um, right now, she's just so young. Uh, please explain the Cyborg Santos GoFundMe page. If you still, if you can still find the future, why was it created? I don't know. You have to ask the person who created it. Um, certainly, Beltor is going to pay for his uh, medical expenses. I mean, you could say that would be some money. He's going to get his purse, I believe, uh, or at least, you know, maybe his win bonus as well, and maybe the extra money is just to help him financially. But um, I, I don't know. I didn't create it. Let's see if I get a couple more of these. Fit these jokers in. What planet did Lando Venata come from? Tatooine. Didn't you know that? Diego Sanchez's future. What's your take on the current form of Diego S- Sanchez and whether or not the culture of retirement are premature or sensible? I don't think they're unsensible at all. Uh, I think they're quite sensible. Now, how much longer he's going to keep doing this, I don't know. But if you're one of the people who thinks it's time for him to start thinking about retirement, I am with you. Tony Ferguson and Lando Venata. Firstly, can you please try to get Lando Venata on your radio show? Yeah, sure. If for no other reason than to ask him why he doesn't change his nickname from Groovy to uh, Kyle Rissian, that'd be hilarious. Secondly, if Ferguson doesn't get the next shot at Eddie Alvarez, who do you think should? Habib, of course. Maybe I'm alone in this, but I find your comments on the drink of choice each week particularly funny, especially when it is a drink that is new to you. Could you start each show with a new drink each week and give a brief review of it? I'll think about it. It's a big question again. Uh, Irresponsible matchmaking. Hello, Luke and fellow chatters. In the wake of Cyborg's stunning injury, Scott Coker and Bellator are again being criticized for shoddy matchmaking. MVP has been given softballs time and again. Dada was allowed to fight. Kimbo was booked for a quick turnaround despite his steroid suspension. And Mitrion was given a quick turnaround after being rocked. Do you see these decisions as irresponsible and even negligent on the promoter's part? Some of them yes, some of them no. Um, the thing about Cyborg I struggle with is like I clearly believe that MVP needs a higher caliber of opponent. However, like one of the things about the Cyborg injury is we've seen jaws get broken, we've seen fingers broken, hands broken, femurs broken, um, uh, ulna radius broke, uh, depending on which side, you know, why would we believe that the skull would be incapable of being broken by the human body in an MMA context? Um, certainly some parts of the bones and certain bones are harder than others. And the structural integrity is better but like it seemed to me almost inevitable after thinking about it that a bone would eventually break in that way uh luckily it happened on a show where there was um you know first world medicine and attentive refereeing and officiating so thank god um another part of me is like you like this old war horse is just sort of beaten down and and maybe this was irresponsible but i do think we should at least consider the possibility not that i think your criticism was a and or not misplaced i mean they make squash matches right that's what they do but um, but then I also wonder, like we need to think about like, as guys get better, is the structural integrity of the skull at risk because that's one of those injuries where like you begin to rethink what it is we're doing here and what it is we're celebrating. This is hilarious. Will we see a Luke Thomas makeup-related video by the end of 2017? No. Luke Thomas is slightly jealous of Juju's success. That's how my wife pronounces it. Yes. Are you kidding? Luke Thomas tweets about makeup again in 2016. Probably. In the past 24 hours, I have viewed more than 10 makeup videos on YouTube. Well, as a consequence, my wife putting them on TV. Yes. Owns at least one beauty care product that no one else in the house is allowed to use. Yeah, my beard oil. Uh, Okay. We have to go. All right. Um, For Harvey... Thank you to everyone who watched. Barbas is around here somewhere. Uh, Luke Thomas Show, 4 p.m. Sirius XM Rush 93. Uh, Please download the podcast. Thumbs up to everybody. I'm sure everyone got bitter at me for something I said today, but that's per usual, right? That's what always happens. So anyway, thank you so much for watching. I will see you next week. MMA beat tomorrow. And uh, until next time, stay frosty.